Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Episode 49, September the 12th, 2012, The Super One. You are listening to This Is Atleti, the only podcast in English dedicated to Atletico de Madrid. In today's episode... We will be remembering, reliving, rejoicing, recharging our morale tanks with the Monte Carlo Super Cup final win. Hat-tricker Falcao ends August as an undisputed man of the month. His market value soars, as do the rumors of him heading out of Cochinero land at season's end. We'll cover both topics and talk some about his father-son relationship. We have asked some of the European fans that lived the experience to come aboard tonight and tell us their own Monaco experiences. We'll be talking to Susan Offman from the German Peña and Gert Jacobs from the Belgian Front. What happens at Monaco is told on This Is At Later. Having Gerd on board will also uh, allow us to review Coutoir's performance for the Belgian national team, uh, who conceded a goal to Croatia in the Brazil World Cup qualifiers. We'll we talk about that more, and we won't even mention Modric, of course. There, there's plenty more to come on the uh, international fronts of our players. And uh, again, we welcome aboard our favorite Colombian, no, not Falcao, Martin Rosenau, from sunny Florida, Atletico fans writer and overseas correspondent, to ask him about Peckerman's Colombia, and if they have, have turned into a Falcao-centric team. In depth, don't count a lady lending you some bucks. UEFA Economic Fair Play Board blocked prize money to over 20 European second-level league teams. Depth trick in Malaga, and of course, no surprise, Lady too. Um, for failing to uh, pay our providers, the taxmen, our employees, including our players, among others. Ironically, Atleti say they are, they are shocked. Haven't we heard this before? We talk about that and the new Alcorcon land development plan um, involving the European franchise of Las Vegas, which affects Atleti very directly. And giving Derek a few minutes to catch his breath, the red and white fact of the week. Yeah, we have a great uh, fact of the week with all those goals that Focal scored today. He scored six goals in just four days um, last week, and three of them won uh, one of the, World, the Super Cup, sorry, not the World Cup. Um, few facts match that one, but there is another incredible fact. Um, here it is. On September the 5th of 1962, that's 50 years ago, um, Aledi won their first European trophy, European Cup Winners uh, Tournament, um, also, as we know it in Spanish, the Rey Copa de Europa. Um, it was the first international trophy to be conquered. At Hampton Park, we played against Fiorentina in the replay match of an initial 1-1 draw, and we took home the trophy as Atletico Smash Italians 3-0. The scores um, back then, 50 years ago, were Jones, Mendoza, Perro, who uh, became forever a golden chunk of red and white history. Hello everyone and welcome back to This is Atleti, your space of 100% Atletico Madrid news and opinion. This is Ricardo Menendez, once again hosting the show. And with me is one of the stupendous couple of co-hosts that make all the other football podcasts go green with envy, Mr. Derek Mayen. How are you? I'm fantastic, guys. It's back to great to be back with you again. And um, I'm delighted to have some of our uh, big fans on board tonight as well. And no, I haven't forgot about Gary. Derek, as you all know, is co-owner, co-founder of the greatly renewed and recharged AtleticoFans.com, which you will not want to miss reading. Please, gent, don't forget to turn in your prediction scores before the weekend comes. After that plug, <laughs> and after that plug, we'll be able to have Gary on for a short span while he's engaged in time-consuming entrepreneurial business that will either make him rich or wear him out from overwork. Probably both. How are you, Gary? 
Hi guys, how are things? Uh, I'd like to say thank you to you guys for being so patient the last couple of weeks and also thank you to everybody for the best wishes. It's great to be back on and it's actually great to be on on an episode that we're going to be speaking about so many happy things. How are things going? On Atleti or me? On you, on your front. <laughs> well, apparently there's a thing called the sun uh, that I haven't seen in the last couple of days because I've been stuck <laughs> in an office. But uh, I'm, I'm told it's big, it's yellow, and it makes the sky go blue. But uh, I, I'm still a I'm, a I'm a cynic, so until I see it, I won't believe it. <laughs> Let's hope we can kidnap Gary for the, for a full show next week to secure you your well-earned dose of red and white Irish-flavored grumpiness. In the meantime, I would also like to remind everyone to visit www.madridaletico.com to get news, analysis, and insight on the red and white world from a different angle. And uh, I think we can start uh, saying hi to our guest. Derek, would you make the honors? Yeah, of course. Uh, it'd be a pleasure. Um, first of all, well, of course, we have Martin. We all know him by now. He's, uh, I hope he becomes a regular on the, uh, this is the Lady podcast, and I don't think he needs the, a new introduction. Martin but, who? Uh, thank you for joining us again, <laughs> uh, Martin. Hey, it's a pleasure, guys. I'll be here as often as I can. So. Well, that's okay, great, great to hear. Um, and joining uh, Martin and us um, are Suzanne. Uh, hello, Suzanne. Hello, how are you? And, of course, Gert. Um, I'll uh, introduce you later, Gert, but first off, uh, let's start with Suzanne. Suzanne, I believe you, you have been on the podcast before, haven't you? Yeah, three times, I think, something like that. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you back, and uh, I hope it was, won't be the last time, but um, we, we brought you on, of course, to uh, tell us a bit more about your Mario obsessive um, <laughs> <laughs> stories, but also because <laughs> you and Gert both visited uh, the Super Cup in Monaco, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let, let's get into the later. First, uh, Gert, um, is this your debut? Yes, first time. Ah, so Thanks you for having me. So, uh, your name is pronounced Gert. Gert, yes. Gert, okay. I will never get that right. No. <laughs> that's appropriate for Atleti. Hey, that's appropriate for Atleti. Hurt. <laughs> Hurt. <laughs> we'll be able to yeah, use that in the future. Um, well, guys, let, let's let's talk about Monte Carlo. I, I had the, the chance to to spend some pre-match time with Susan. I, I was going to meet her inside the stadium, but I wasn't that lucky afterwards. But on the other hand, I did have the, the Ricky, chance. Ricky, sorry, to, one second. Yes. Uh, you were late for a match, or you were you left somebody waiting for you. That's not like you at all. No, no, no. It's not that I was late. I was really, uh, I was really one of the first ones to get into the stadium. In fact, the thing is that Whoa. I got into a section that was different from Susan's uh, section, and they didn't let they didn't allow me to go visit her. In all fairness, mate, I've seen <laughs> you. I wouldn't let you move stadium part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, I did. I did have the chance to say hi to Hurt and and Kevin as well. Uh, the nice guys from the Belgian Pena were very close to where I was uh, sitting. Well, uh, let's say standing. No one was actually sitting at the stadium. Maybe Chelsea fans after the first fifteen minutes. But um, well, it was great to see you, Hurt. And maybe let's get your point of view. That's it's your first time on the podcast and. Uh, Tell us about your 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 Monaco story. Well, it, uh, it was amazing, right? Mm -hmm. After just a few minutes, we were uh, one 0 up, and then Falcao just kept scoring, and it just blew us all away. We were, we were standing there. I, I, I was next to Kevin, and we were like, 
is this really happening? And then, well, it was amazing. Just after 45 minutes, we were 3-0 up. And then the second half was, was, was just great as well. So mm -hmm. it was just amazing. The atmosphere was great. The players did a great job. It was, uh, and Chelsea was nowhere. Um, can and um, can you tell us a story about um, your your trip to to Monaco? Um, I, I don't know. For for Spanish fans, it's it's uh, pretty normal because you get to meet thousands of fans on the on your way there. No matter how you travel, you travel by plane, you travel by bus, travel by mm -hmm. car. You're going to be meeting um, Atletico fans um, during the whole trip. Well, I guess I was... it's, it's completely different when when you're traveling from Belgium. Well, I, I I took the plane on Friday morning, and we arrived arrived uh, around noon in the uh, in the airport of Nice, and where we took the bus to uh, to Monaco. And when the bus arrived in Monaco, it was all red and white. You saw, so there, there were no Chelsea fans at all. Yeah, it was you could incredible. Only see yeah, red and white. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was amazing. I w I was there with a, a nephew of my wife, and he was amazed as well. He, he couldn't believe that we outnumbered the Chelsea fans that much. Yeah, let, let's 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 uh, let me address this to to Gary um, since he's uh, such a, um, a massive um, Premier League specialist and and knowledge, knowledgeable guy. Um, Gary, is it normal to have uh, such a poor crowd uh, traveling from London? Well, I've wrote a couple of articles on this for various different sites. I'm not going to be plugging my articles, but uh, it seems to be this thing, uh, a UK, because it also exists with Scottish clubs, this mentality that if it's not the Champions League, the European competition is not worth it. And we've seen that with, for example, the two Manchester clubs this season when they went into the Europa League, they really couldn't be bothered to play in it. Mm hmm and when you look back, the last English side to win the Europa League or what it was actually called at that time was the UEFA Cup was Liverpool in 2001. Now, I think I'm correct on this. It was 2001 when they won it. Now, if you go back since then, five times Spanish teams have won the Europa League. And it just goes to show that in Spain and in Italy as well, they do tend to take these European competitions quite seriously because as well it does help your UEFA coefficient which means you get more teams in the first second and uh, pot in the Europa League and Champions League draws mm -hmm. and also it helps for how many teams can enter the Champions League and the Europa League and various competitions it was a part of me was quite surprised part of me wasn't it just as I said Unless it's got uh, champions in the title, English teams or even Scottish teams, Irish teams, but, they don't but, um, seem to care. I, I remember this this massive Bolton invasion during I don't know if it was um, quarterfinals or something like that at the Calderon. Even and so, that wasn't so much. Uh, for example, uh, for your Bolton invasion, I will put the Aberdeen invasion, which was a lot more. And that was basically because Aberdeen hadn't been that far in a long time in Europe. Bolton fans came because it was Madrid. It was a bit of sun for them. But it's not. The Europa League isn't seen as a proper competition in the UK or in Ireland. And it's a pity because you've got clubs, you mean, like Newcastle, uh, 
maybe even Liverpool this season, that maybe they've got another opportunity to win a cup apart from the Europa League. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting with Tim Standard and Sid Lowe last season in the Celtic uh, pre-game press conference. I remember Tim Standard asking Neil Lennon of Celtic, do you want to win this? And he's like, yeah, of course, it's a trophy. And Tim turned around and goes, it's actually quite refreshing to see a British manager turn around and say, we're going for it because generally they play it down. And I think uh, English clubs have been quite ignorant by playing on the Europa League. Yes, okay, okay maybe the sponsorship is, it's like, I think Atletico got maybe five or between five and 10 million qualification for the Champions League is 20. But there's also the add-on effect. How many kids went out and bought jerseys after Atletico mm-hmm. won the Europa League? How many people now know Atletico's name because of the Europa League? Or bought a season uh, ticket or whatever, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Not, but also, it's okay, the season ticket in Spain, everybody knows it. But every time you mention Atletico Madrid now in an article, if you're writing in English, it's always Atletico Madrid, Europa, Europa League, Super Cup champions yeah. it has a ring to it it really brings it up if you put the word champions into google now atletico are probably going to appear and it's that benefit that it has it really brings you into a, a new audience and atletico have taken that hopefully they won't do what they did two years ago and sell everybody but uh it really is something that i can't understand why english clubs don't respect so, so you're saying that this isn't a massive blow to di matteo's reputation for example oh no chelsea fans were playing this off long before they were considering this as a friendly oh. uh, a lot of people when chelsea chelsea fans on twitter were already saying well we're still top of the league <laughs> it was it wasn't something serious uh, for them it was just a walk in the park uh, for me personally, as someone that watches a lot of the Premier League, it did show that Chelsea still aren't the finished product. And for all their spending, they still have some major holes, and one of the biggest being their defence. But the big problem is, in England, it's not respected, the Europa League, and mm-hmm. neither was the Super Cup. If Chelsea had a won it 3 or 4-0, we wouldn't have heard the end of it. <laughs> yeah, entirely honest, guys. When when we won the Europa League, I think it was actually Gert who asked, who asked me, um, there will you be going to the Super Cup? I was like, let's see, let's let's sleep on it for a couple of weeks and then we'll decide if it can go. And I actually did have the possibility to get to Monaco. But to to be entirely honest, a couple of weeks ago, I I too felt like it, it was more of a friendly, a pre-season game um, than anything else. But I do have to admit that um, as the game came closer, I got more nervous and I realized that it's an, a, a one-game chance to to win silverware. You only need to play not, uh, a very good game for 90 minutes and you have it. But, I think it's the anticipation before the game. I mean, when you play in the final of the Europa League, Copa del Rey, or even in the last game to win a league, you're building up. You've mm-hmm. gone through a yeah. process, your emotions. Uh, straight away in May, we knew we were playing this tie in August. So there was no build-up, there was no emotions. I think the game that really got people riled up for the the Super Cup was the game against Athletic Bilbao. And that really got people going, Jesus, we could maybe go and do this. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, as much as maybe Atletico fans weren't maybe, as, how could you say, as hyped up for the game against Chelsea, they still turned on the television five minutes before the game. I've heard lots of Chelsea fans said they couldn't be arsed watching that. 
which to be perfectly honest, I don't understand because it is a piece of silverware. You look at Barcelona. Barcelona claimed the Super Cups that they've won of Spain and of Europe as part of Pep Guardiola's reign. Mm-hmm. And they're quite happy to parade that and say, oh, he won a certain amount of Cups and the Super Cups included. Uh, Real Madrid are quite happy to parade the Super Cup around. And now Atletico are going to do it. It is a cup at the end of the day. You did beat the champions of the ultimate champions of Europe. Mm-hmm. And I can, I mean, I understand some people saying, oh, well, it is only one game. It's only the start of the season. The teams haven't got into their, into their true rhythm. But if that's true, that makes Atletico's fee almost more impressive. Because Gary, the do, you, do you believe that, um, what, considering the approach of Chelsea for this game, um, do you think that when at the end of this, the year they will be going to the club World Cup, um, will they see a, a similar approach from Chelsea? Or maybe should it be um, Atleti's right to defend Europe's uh, honour in the Club World Cup there? Well, I think the World Club Cup should be defended by the winner of the Super Cup, to be honest. And I think Chelsea will go out and play a bit more because the whole eyes of the world are going to be on them. And also it's a big chance for them to get more sponsorship mm-hmm. money. The money for the, I think, what was it? The money for the winner of the Super Cup was three million, and the runner-up was two. So there was no real incentive for Chelsea to go out and win that tournament because a million euro for a man like Roman Abramovich is nothing. But I think with the World Club Cup, they're gonna go out a little bit more, and I think maybe after losing so badly in the Super Cup, I think Abramovich is gonna really demand that the players give a hundred percent on that. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let me have um, an overseas view from from Florida. Um, Martin, any comments on the match? And um, especially overseas, we know there's a limited market in the United States. It's basically Real Madrid and Barcelona. What impact does um, Atletico winning the Super Cup against um, a, a famous rival like like Chelsea have? To me, it's huge. I mean, uh, it must be my naivety, you know what I mean? But I, I just don't understand the lack of enthusiasm. For me personally, like the second we won the Europa League, I was already looking forward to who we were going to play in the Super Cup. To me, the Super Cup almost felt more important. I don't know if it's because it's synonymous with Super Bowl and like (laughs) the NFL is like huge and the Super Bowl is huge. But the word Super Cup, like Gary said, you're taking on the champions of the of Champions League and you, you know. And it's a one game shot. It's it's really hard to get there and, and you've only got one chance to... To, to make it, and uh, I think yeah, and the bragging rights. I, I love the bragging rights. You know what I mean. You, mm-hmm. I have friends, of course, who I play futsal with, and they support the big, the big clubs. A couple of them support Chelsea, and you know they look at me like, oh yeah, he supports Atleti, that crazy guy. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So to be able to beat them and not just you know beat them, we humiliated them, we crushed them. It mm-hmm. to me it was it was really big, and the bragging you know rights. What I Usually yeah. we would say, well, there's the, the, the poor Atletico guy over there. But um, these days, I think that that image is gone. I mean, we've won four titles the last two years. Yeah, so yeah. We're not totally. um, the Pupas anymore. We've we're gotten totally out of the Pupas shoes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. for sure. I'm not, I'm not standing anyone saying the, the, the Pupas line to me anymore, uh, no matter where. I think it's, it's as part of the past as, as any uh, insulting comment could be. And... That was extremely insulting for Atletico fans in the in the nineties and, and the and the That's turn of funny. the century. What's funny is that I grew up my little brother like came up with a nickname for me before I even started following Atleti and it's Pupa. 
and I've always <laughs> been called Poopa by my family, so that was pretty coincidental. Like when I found out Atleti had that that nickname. Yeah, because it it was like um, it was like yeah, what, what you were saying before it was like um, talking despectively about Atletico's. Uh, uh, not missing a single chance to fail, and and that's what got on on Atletico fans' nerves um, all the time. And and I'm really glad that we're finally over it. I think the last step we need to to get over that um, inferiority complex for forever is is to beat Real Madrid. I think that this season it's even more important to beat Real Madrid than to even win the league because um, it's the final step to turn into a normal club. No, yeah. I think I disagree. I think what Atletico need to do is they need consistency and they need to build on their victories. Uh, I know Ricky got very upset with the term "adorable loser," but at the end of the day, it is it does have a sense of truth to it. Atletico are a club that always romantically and beautifully self-destruct and have fans beating the uh, the ground. Uh, was his name Charlton Heston style damn you all to hell the club need to build they need to become consistent and instead of selling the whole squad like they did two years ago this is a chance to create something special this is a chance to build something that maybe in two or three years time that we can stand up against Real Madrid and Barcelona and compete for the league but that's that's quite recent Atletico has never been a selling team it's it's um, something that's happened in the last uh, 10-15 years History can can tell you, but it's it's more about the adorable loser. It has to do with um, Real Madrid journalists controlling the press and um, being very negative uh, towards the way they treat Atletico. And I think I think the way you say it depends. I think if somebody comes up and they say, "Look, I love Atletico because I think the fans are fantastic. They really are adorable losers. I love the way you guys stick for your club." Da 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 da. You kind of think, "Okay, fair enough. I accept that." No, you get the adorable loser line the day after the derby. When a Real Madrid journalist comes up to you and says, "Ah, oh, you guys are adorable losers." No, yeah. it's not nice. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. But in all fairness, that that's uh, there is other Real Madrid journalists, and uh, I will give a little plug for the Real Madrid blog that are probably one of the best blogs, not only of Real Madrid, but one of the best blogs in English because their non-biased and their centric views are fantastic, and they're one of the teams that will come out and if Real Madrid get a penalty that they shouldn't have got a penalty, they'll hold their hands up and go, that wasn't a penalty, we didn't deserve it. But it is true when you have certain people that sound, uh, I believe his surname is basically the translation of snoring, uh, who constantly, you know, I think in the summer, he came out and said, oh, Real Madrid went to Saudi Arabia and we played one game and we got three million. Atletico went to Colombia and played three games and they got paid a million. Well, okay, yeah, it's true. You've got a very good point. We all know that. You didn't need to point it out. But the fact is that Atletico are going to Colombia now. Atletico are going to Miami now. Atletico are going abroad now. And Atletico are finally starting to look like a product or a team that is starting to market itself correctly. And it's starting to breach out the fans because by signing the likes of Falcao, you are going into another market and you need to please those people. You need to bring their club. And the way I thought Atletico did quite well this summer to go to Colombia at the end of the season. And it was a, it was a good time as well because we just won the Europa League and I thought it really was brand awareness. I think Atletico deserved an A plus in that, in that tour they did in the summer. Yeah, because it's a brand building. Uh, type of campaign and and I think it's very wise to exploit the Falcao market because there definitely is a market 
how much Falcao is left? That's another question. But, um, I just wanted to ask you guys, what did you think? I don't know if any of you seen the comments in some of the English press about Falcao after the game. Um, not really. Can you illustrate us? Well, I'm sure Derek has heard the expression on a cold, wet Wednesday night in Stoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, for those that aren't familiar... There they go again with the Stoke comments. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's Stoke. <laughs> uh, nobody from Stoke listens to us, so let's not worry about it. Uh, so, uh, Andy Gray, uh, an infamous commentator, once made a mess, uh, comment about Leo Messi, that he was good in the Bernabeu, he was good in the Calderon, but could he do it on a wet, cold night in Stoke? And it's very famous now. Whenever they refer to a Spanish player that's good, every English person goes, can they do it on a wet, cold Wednesday night in Stoke? So a lot of people have been saying the same about Falcao now. And the big argument is he hasn't done it in the Premier League, which kind of puts the spin on it. Then then Wayne Rooney isn't a great player because he hasn't done it in La Liga. And it's kind of getting a bit annoying. And I know Gary Linton wrote a very good article for the Sabotage Times about it saying, why can't we just accept a striker like Falcao? He's just an excellent striker. For me, he still has a lot of work to do. There's still certain parts of his game that he needs to improve. And if he does improve him, he could be one of the best strikers in the world. But maybe Martin could say how he felt. But hearing it was quite patronizing. I don't know if Martin read any of it. I actually didn't hear that. In particular, I, what I what really really frustrates me is every single time, uh, like on Twitter, uh, I'll mention Falcao, something good that he does, and then I'll start getting comments from people saying, "Yeah, but he'll be gone in January." Oh, <laughs> Manchester City, look out! Oh, Chelsea, look out! I'm like, you know, come on. I, I think what, what's funny is that um, we've had all, we've also had these comments for Diego Forlan, um, who was a, a big flop in Man United and then won the Pichichi twice in Spain. Um, and I think it's always those little moments like when Forlan scored twice in the Europa League final against an English side against Fulham. Um, I mean, that's when we as fans, we are like, well, do you see? I mean, he can score against English opposition as well. And I think well, I that's think... why it was so so great to see Falcao score a hat-trick against Chelsea, where he easily could have scored five or six goals maybe. Um, just to maybe, well, let me say it impolitely, but to shut up the critics from would hail the uh, the Premier League as uh, some sort of um, holy league where everything is better um, than in the, the rest of the world. And um, I think that what you also saw on, on social networks um, and everywhere in, in the English media, I think, was when um, this kind of performance, um, when you see it against an English opposition, then suddenly it seems that the eyes of all the people from Britain are open, um, like... Last year, nobody had even heard of Athletic Bilbao, um, of Athletic Club, until they beat Man United in spectacular fashion, and everybody was suddenly hailing um, Bilbao for being such a fantastic team. And I think that the same happened now with Falcao. I mean, nobody really knew him or mentioned him until he scored three times against Chelsea, and now he suddenly is moved to every in- well, linked to a move to every English club. Or mm-hmm. um, now he's suddenly under under spotlight. It's Sometimes you get a feeling in the English press that um, there doesn't exist any football outside of the Premier League. And to to me personally, it can be a bit annoying as a, a fan of La Liga. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Derek, I'm just going to put there. It's 
it can it's not it can be a bit annoying it is very annoying <laughs> it's and i've experienced of going home and speaking to people and the response of all oh, this players crap and this players crap because they haven't seen them on a regular basis i've always said the same la liga is one of the best leagues in the world so is the premier league and you're a muppet if you can't enjoy both of them i watch i love it watching both leagues my saturdays uh, last season and so far whenever I had the chances to watch both leagues and enjoy it and I'll also put a plug in for the German league which is also a fantastically well organised entertaining league with passionate support brilliant attendances and uh, it's another league that people sometimes for, tend to forget the French league also lately in, uh, in no, the last no, but couple stop of at the German league that gives me the chance to segue over to Susan and uh, rewind the topic back to the question I asked her and we just uh, trailed off to talk about uh, Falcao, Chelsea and all the rest um, otherwise our audience is going to think that we just got a recorded hello by, by Susan and the whole episode will go by without hearing a word from her um, Susan, uh, let your your trip to Monaco. You were one of the uh, one. Uh, you were a last minute ticket buyer. Can you tell us a story? Uh, no, I I was actually um, I did not uh, buy the ticket over the German Peña like I used to do for the um, Europa League matches uh, last season. Um, I had some Spanish friends. Uh, who uh, who I um, met in Glasgow last season, and they said um, that if uh, I need tickets for the um, Super Super Cup uh, match, that they will um, get me the ticket. So um, they bought the ticket for me and brought it to Monaco, and I had to meet up with with them to get my ticket. Mm -hmm. um, It was quite funny because uh, the guys were like, yeah, we are the cover for... uh, No, we are not the cover Mm -hmm. for... Where are you... Um, I don't um, know. <laughs> yeah, but um, the, the German pinions is, 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 is you, you guys are a very special pinion because there's like one per city. There's like a <laughs> like a limit a limitation of of members per city or something similar because Fabian was coming from one city, uh, your friend Andrea was coming from another one. You were coming from a different city. Uh, it must be it must be hard to. To get together in a in in a different point of in a different country. Um, when we were at at Monaco, um, there's a nice story here. Remember we we went to the to the Atletico Hotel. We got to see the players before the match. Do you remember that? Um, yeah. They. I was really surprised because uh, the players didn't seem nervous at all. Did you get the mm. same feeling? Not really. Miranda and and uh, Emma were at the uh, balcony of their of their uh, the rooms and they Joking were waving down. Yeah, and, and they were uh, uh, waving down. Uh, Thiago was the, coming. They were skipping the sacred siesta and yeah. and, <laughs> and they did a, they did a tremendous match afterwards. So just yeah. to prove. Thiago came out for a walk, but um, actually I don't like him. I don't like him. Uh, I like him. Um, I never liked him at, uh, much, but I don't like him. Um, I, um, I don't know how to say that in English. Okay. <laughs> I won't have you say it in German because uh, yeah, he 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 was um, um, quite unfriendly to the fans outside. So ah, okay. So he lost a, he lost a bit of um, a favor. Even he, so, he now is on a, on a uh, even more lower level than he was before. 
Uh-huh. Because uh, there was one one uh, woman with a um, Tiago shirt, and he was like happy to see him come out and ask him for for a photo. And he made the photo, but the uh, his the face he made afterwards was like disgusted. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was like, and uh, Fabian from the um, German Pena met uh-huh. him afterwards as well and made a photo, and he put on this this the same face after the uh, after the photo, like oh my god. How do I have to? I have to do that again. Those fans, annoying. Um, <laughs> it's part of their job. You know, he's. Um, they can at uh, least at least Martin, pretend Martin that they could, like it. Mark, Martin could give you a similar uh, story about uh, Tolo Simeone, like say, yeah, I, I, I have to put up with uh, fan photos. Okay, it's part of the job. But <laughs> I thought he was gonna punch me. I was just <laughs> waiting for it. <laughs> The, the the cholo version of of Thiago putting um, a not so friendly face would be much more aggressive, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, and I didn't have any I didn't have any Atleti gear or anything, so I just look like a journalist, regular journalist, you know. Annoying a uh, uh, a coach, yeah. Um, Gert, uh, I I I when when we met, we were inside the the stadium. Uh, by yeah. the way, I think that the. Uh, the um the stadium is is smaller than Vallecas. I think that gives everyone a a visual image of of actually how small that the, the Monaco Stadium is. Uh, Susan, you've been at you've been at Vallecas and you've been at at the Monaco Stadium. They're very similar, aren't they? Uh, yeah, except for the fact that behind the Valleca Stadium there is this this high um, building. Okay, you, you, a, you get you get no dots behind the it's kind of the same. It reminds me in Germany a bit of Freiburg. I yeah, think well, Freiburg has a, about five, five or six thousand more uh, uh, places. But um, let's say there are a few differences between Vallecas and Monte Carlo, like the casino, the yachts, and and the helicopter. <laughs> but yeah, besides and that, I see there complete photocopy. <laughs> um, uh, Gert, I, I didn't uh, have the chance to to m- meet you until we were inside the the stadium. What did you do when you got to Monaco? Did you have a chance to ha- um, have have a beer with with the guys from your Peña, or did you meet people that, yeah. that you knew from Spain? Or um... we, we, when we arrived in Monaco, we we just uh, walked around a little bit and and we heard chants uh, all over. Uh, all over the, the the city actually, uh, and then there was a this this small shopping center where there were a bunch of Atleti fans uh, grouped together, and they were singing all afternoon, and we just hung out there until the match began actually. So, and then we went into the stadium and mm-hmm. we got where we came for. Yeah, there, there you go, and it went smoother than expected. Um, one of the players that w- uh, left the match unnoticed. Besides Fernando Torres, um, or almost noticed, uh, poor Fernando Torres, uh, was, uh, Thibaut Courtois. Uh, we, we, uh, it was great to not be worried about, um, um, having, having the result in, in yeah. danger or jeopardized, um. He had a great defense. Yeah, there, there was a, there was a, um, there was a great defensive display there. I wanted to ask you about, um, this national, uh, team break. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you, you're, you're Belgian. Um, yeah. Can you give us a quick report on on Courtois' performance? We know we he well, played against uh, Croatia. Uh, yeah, and against uh, Wales as well. Uh, he played I, I did, against uh, Wales as well. How did it yeah. go? 
I didn't see the match against Wales, but he kept a clean sheet. So we were down against 10 men. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty easy job. Uh, against Croatia, we got an early goal. Uh, but it, I, Courtois couldn't do anything about it. It was a defensive uh, mistake and, well, it was almost an open goal. So um, I think he did, a, he did a pretty great job because he, he got a, a one-on-one later on in the match and he, he saved that, so... Mm-hmm. He and, did a pretty good job. Uh-huh. And um, Martin, we we woke up this morning in Spain um, and I guess in the rest of Europe with uh, good news for Falcao scoring again. And, and um, my question is, is Peckerman's Colombia turning into a Falcao-centric type of team? Um, to be honest, it's not really. It's not really. I think Atleti is much more Falcao-centric than Colombia is. Uh, when Peckerman first got there, the first thing he said was that he was going to make it a Falcao-centric team. He was going to make Falcao the team's focal point. Uh, in the first two like official matches in the qualifiers, we played against Peru, and uh, it was Ecuador. Uh, that's You could see that. They were just trying to hit long balls to Falcao, and that mm-hmm. strategy didn't really pay off. We managed to beat Peru. Not a not the biggest feat, really, but it was in Lima. So we were able to beat them one nothing, and it was James Rodriguez who scored that game. This Chilean win is, is something, it's really big, isn't it? It's massive, massive. But the Uruguay win, too. But not, I mean, it was at home, but it was just the nature of the win. 4 yeah, nothing well, pounding. You're, you're winning then it's against... Of um, a, a, a fourth position in the world in the last World Cup team, so it's 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 uh, a fourth very, position and Copa America champions. Yeah, so America champions, it's huge, it's huge. But uh, no, after those first two games with Peckerman, he was criticized a lot for trying to do that long ball style, trying to hit you know just smash balls to Falcao, and then this uh, latest round they focused more short passes in the midfield. Uh, the other thing was that Falcao had a partner up top that's really, really lethal. I, I'm sh- almost, almost literally lethal. He brought a gun to a locker room. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, Teofilo Gutierrez, uh, really, really, you know, prolific striker. Um, a bit of a loon, but he's prolific. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, and this time, this time around, it you know it showed that they were opening up spaces for each other. Uh, there was more midfield play. Uh, there, I'm sure you guys have heard of James Rodriguez mm-hmm. by now, uh, star of Porto. Um, and, and well, you can talk to us about half of Cebolla and Godin's um, stay abroad, right? What's that? What's that? Um, the, the Uruguayan players they 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 were they were beat. Um, they were humbled. Yeah, they were humbled. <laughs> there was one point where where Cebolla knocked out Falcao, which was pretty interesting. Like, he hates his teammates because he already broke Gadir's clavicle. Yeah. <laughs> the Cantera uh, killer, right? Yeah, yeah, Cante, Cante, yeah, the Canterano killer. Yeah, we're complaining about Cata Diaz. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. Since I saw the picture of Cata Diaz with his puppy dog, I can't take him seriously anymore, yeah. man. <laughs> That's so funny, man. I love well, that Well, every time we get scored, one of, the, one of those goes. <laughs> one of those yep. little puppies gets <laughs> gets sacrificed. <laughs> oh very my god! Tech, very technology. <laughs> I was gonna say he eats them, but that might be too. That might be too far. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so, no, no, it was great because against Uruguay, Falcao scored right away. You know, after two minutes, he, he got on the board. And, you know, he's gotten a lot of criticism in Colombia, like Messi-style criticism that, oh, oh yeah, over there in Europe, you kick a lot of ass, you score goals all the time, then you come and you play for your country and you don't care, you don't try. That that kind of criticism. There's all kinds of bad jokes about Falcao, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And... uh well, this I, I time, it, this time he was able to prove, you know. Yeah, well, what, what's up there? Gets, yeah, sorry. He gets the same type of messy heat, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. But I mean, I think I think he's starting to banish that, especially the last, you know, the back-to-back -back hat tricks, especially the Super Cup. You know what I mean? And then now scoring two goals in two straight games, it was excellent. I think that in light of that, it's interesting you uh, made some comments on Twitter today, Martin, about an, uh, a radio interview that Falcao did on Colombian radio, right? Yeah, I just happened to tune in. I happened to get lucky and see it, and I'm really glad I did. I really liked what he had to say. Uh, you know, if Colombia has a bad rap around the world, and uh, Falcao pretty much represents the best of Colombia, he has, you know, so much respect from the Colombian people apart from his poor performances in the past, like with the national team. But um, he said, my dream is to influence Colombian society and it ha as it hasn't ever been before through sports, through football, and continue representing Colombia abroad. And then he said something really nice that I liked a lot. He said, I love when I'm referred to as the Colombian in Europe, that it gives him a lot of pride and that he wants to be Colombia's ambassador abroad and and pretty much the past couple of months that's exactly what he's been you mm -hmm. know i yeah, really true. like that to cap off the uh, international roundup um I, I happened to see the our turkish um two some in action um against uh, my holland and uh, they lost against holland 2-0 um but i thought that Arda run played a very good game he played as a playmaker in a 4-2-3-1 formation um and he did miss a, a huge chance to equalize so he will uh, have me scratching his head, but he played very well. While Emre, he was a bit anonymous. He was taken off in the second half. Um, but I believe that he got his revenge a couple of days later because they beat... Um, Estonia. Estonia. Estonia, I think, yeah. Um, and Arda assisted Emre for the opening goal, which was a very good goal in a 3-0 win. So, um, yeah, Turkey is uh, still right on there because the qualifying uh, cyclists in uh, Europe just started. So let's let's just hope um, no one returns injured because I, I think it was the first international break last season when um, Arda got injured and it took like mm, two or three weeks to recover, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah and I think it, it happened twice. On the, on the Spanish, yeah, true. On the Spanish national team front with Vicente del Bosque, you always get the same. If you're an Atletico player um, uh, if or you have been an Atletico player, you get um, to play all the friendlies, and you you you're never there on the starting 11s when when there's a qualifier. So we got to see Juanfran in the, in the um, uh, first friendly, and and we saw the Torres uh, with his 100th uh, cap, which is um, something really big here. And but we didn't get to see them in the qualifying match, so. Just goes to show um, my conspiration theories about Vicente del Bosque, which we will leave for another episode. <laughs> okay, well... Um, oh, wait, no, I'm I met sorry. him at the airport. Okay. Sorry? I met, I met Vicente del Bosque at the airport in Nisa, in, in Nisa when I was going home. 
really? I was I, I was I I was shortly thinking about asking him uh, if he would let uh, let Fun Fun play more, but um, I thought I you were gonna say please take Mario. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> hey, by the way, um, Mario's been on the press this week, and um, do you think that Mario's on his way to the national team? Um, Susan, from uh, try to be objective here, <laughs> um, can can you see Mario um, being up to the um, to the challenge of of finding a spot somewhere in in the Spanish national team midfield? I think it's 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 a really hard position. There should be some type of injury relating Busquets or Xavi Alonso. I think that's the only way he could he could find uh, a spot. And I think they would probably misplace Mario in a place where he doesn't shine. Um, but that's my opinion. Oh, what about? Yeah, it's it, it's true. Um, but first, Mario has to uh, find a, a season season um, a good a whole good season. But because last season he started. With uh, really bad performances, he uh, got better uh, at the end and had this incredible match in Bucharest. And um, the one in Monaco w- wasn't bad at all. wasn't bad at all. So uh, I'm still hoping that he might have a real good season. But he will need a season at Bucharest level mm-hmm. to maybe find a spot in the uh, national team. But I actually I don't see it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. As, as much as as I'd like as I'd like to, like to see it, but uh, no. Mm-hmm. I, I thought no, he did do fantastic in the Super Cup again, though. It seems like Mario really stepped up in these two finals, and it's great to see when actually a youth product can step up in that way. And I do think that he is progressing um, mentally more than anything to become a more consistent player because, well, he's always had these these skills, these abilities, but if he can just play um, like this consistently on a regular basis, then I do think that we have a player that won't be a regular on the Spanish national team, but mm-hmm. he'll be a very good midfielder for Atletico. I'm really looking forward to um, Mario and, and Koke being deeply influenced by, by Simeone, and I think that we're starting to see um, some of the effects of having Cholo Simeone on the, on the bench. He said on the, on, the, on the interview for Mundo Deportivo this week that uh, uh, Cholo made him a special, a special plan how to step up because he was having ups and downs and that uh, he was uh, supporting him started directly from the beginning but also putting pressure on him so he, will, mm-hmm. uh, he needed to find his, his form and mm-hmm. It seems like it's working. Okay. With all due respect to Suzanne, hey, with all due respect to Suzanne, uh, <laughs> you, you say that say, right before you. you, you no, 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 Mario. no. I'm not going to diss him. Actually, I was going to say it, it. You know, has to do with some of Suzanne's competition. Uh, do, how much do you think his beautiful new girlfriend Malena Costa has to do with his confidence? <laughs> yeah. This is a Shakira debate all over again. <laughs> Okay, well, um, since we're running short on time, I'm going to let that one slip. And uh, uh, one of you guys want to talk about the the depth issue. I'm, I'm, this is really unsurprising for Atletico, but uh, the only thing I want to point out uh, relating to the depth, there's, there was a list uh, published by, by UEFA, I think it was this morning, um, saying that it, it was it was blocking uh, the prize money uh, uh, for European competitions for how many teams were there? Twenty twenty three uh, teams from different leagues 
in Spain it was Malaga and Atlético de Madrid, and we know what Malaga is going through because of um, the Sheik um, suddenly deciding he doesn't want a football team anymore. Uh, but whenever there's an issue with debts and money and all that, Atlético de Madrid is always in the picture and always has uh, is, is in the center of the limelight. And if you if you if you read the list and you read um, the the leagues each of the teams belong to. The only the only major leagues that that uh, are involved is is the Spanish league and and um, as usual, Atletico are in the blacklist. Um, any any comments from any of you? Well, there are a couple of interesting things. I think that this is exactly one of the reasons that um, Michel Platini is so unpopular with um, Atletico fans because it seems we're always in the limelight. But to be entirely honest, I can't fault him here because. We all know um, what kind of depths um, Atletico has and um, the situation that we're in. Um, but I, I, to me personally, it, it always is a bit confusing, though, um, as to what standards we are held exactly, because I'm, I'm never entirely sure um, what the rules are and if we are measured equally against a Chelsea, Manchester City, or, for example, Real Madrid or Barcelona, who also have incredible depths, but I guess that they're just a bit more healthy because their turnover is so much higher than ours. Um, but I'm not that surprised to hear that it's mainly Spanish clubs on this list because if we take the Dutch league or the German league, for example, then clubs aren't allowed to have any depth at all. And if they do, um, they'll get uh, relegated instantly. At least that's the way it is in Holland. I'm not sure. Suzanne probably knows the situation in Germany. but uh, no. Not as, it's not not like in, in Holland. In Germany, it's it's uh, it depends on uh, how much uh, if the club is uh, is able to um, to um, fulfill his his uh, his open payments during the during the season. So it was like uh, Dortmund uh, had some um, had debt. I think it was around 200 million. It was 10 years ago, and they were. Um, they said that they had to be relegated, but the German league said no. Um, Schalke has also about 200 million, but they have a stadium in their in their in their uh, in their balance cards. But the Cologne is at 30 million, and we are close to bankruptcy. So it's uh, it's quite uh, interesting in in Germany. Um, but this, this uh, financial fair play stuff is something. Um, there was an interesting article in uh, Germany a few months ago about how easy it is to um, use some loopholes in this in this um, in this um, uh, whole structure. So it's quite easy to um, yeah uh, find your way through it. Um, what actually is kind of funny is that in Germany. Um, after this list was published, I was uh, four of my friends sent me messages on Facebook, or on SMS, or on WhatsApp. Yeah, I, I went now. Atletico is being relegated. I like what? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we were yeah. calling for the exact same thing just a month ago when uh, there were rumors of Malaga's um, liquidity and the fact that they may have uh, or may be banned from the Champions League. We well, were cheering on. That, well, come on, Atleti's going to qualify for the Champions League. The issue is that in, in Spain, probably the only uh, team that try, tries to keep a, a, a balanced uh, sheet mm, mm, Economically, it was Villarreal, and yeah. and that's how how good it goes when when you uh, when you play fair here in Spain. So, um, uh, 
just goes to show that mm, economical fair play is still um, uh, far away from from being achieved in the Spanish league. There's a, there's an issue here in the Spanish league that um, the the, te- the 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 teams are are corporations, um, all of them except for uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Osasuna, and I think that's it because they Bilbao, right? No, I'm I'm not sure about Aladi Bilbao. Um, no, Bilbao is 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 no SAD. They're they're well then Bilbao also they're, they're clubs because they they managed to to uh, follow certain steps like 20 years ago when when there was a new law being passed about. Uh, debts and and uh, how to face the debts and social structures that the the, the clubs had to face uh, if if they didn't uh, if if they were in debt and and most of the teams um, went for uh, for the change to Sociedad Anonima Deportiva which they, they thought was going to be awesome for them and bad for the clubs and the the leading the team behind the, the uh, creating uh, Sociedad Anonimas Deportivas. It's like a, a sports uh, limited uh, corporation. It was Atletico Madrid. It was Jesus Gil, uh, Miguel Ángel, his uh, father. Uh, so just goes to show how, what a what a big mistake it was at the end because Atletico, the team with the highest debt in in Europe, or or, or I don't know, maybe Manchester City. Uh, it has a has a higher debt, but they have uh, a, a higher turnover as well. I don't, Let um, me add one more thing, Ricky. Yes. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, and there, this is an article that I can highly recommend. Um, a website called uh, Swiss Ramble. Um, oh, true. Yeah, that's that's an uh, it's a weblog uh, specialized on the finances of all um, uh, football clubs around the world, and they did a special on Letico, and I can highly recommend it. And just contact me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, and I'll send you the links because it's very insightful, very detailed, um, and will give you an idea of how bad the situation at Letico yeah, really we'll, is. And we'll we'll add the Swiss Ramble and link to the to yeah. the show notes because it was. Um, especially enlightening with, uh, towards the uh, Atletico situation. We we were going to talk about the Alcorcón developments, uh, but we're probably going to leave that for uh, for the next episode because, in fact, it's something that's being decided. Before we we wrap up the episode, uh, Derek, uh, remind us of the of uh, the agenda for the next week. Well, let's uh, first look at the games that Atletico has coming up. Um, first, we play at home against Rayo Vallecano. Vallecano, of course, um, the first Madrid derby of the season. Um, and after that, we play an away game um, when we kick off our road to Amsterdam, where the Europa League final will be held this year, um, when we take off Hapoel Tel Aviv at the Bloomfield Stadium. Will you be hosting me um, at Amsterdam at the end of the season, hopefully? Absolutely, I will welcome you guys, all you guys and uh, I'll show you around a little bit and we'll be uh, partying hard. Cool. Atletivi continue their downhill gloomy trend losing their third match in a row. Another setback that keeps Pantits in, in everyone's mumble. This time versus my hometown Leganes, 3-1. to one. Looking very bad for Alfredo Santalena. Oliver Torres not included again in the player list according to certain media sites due to having some school tests to take uh, this week. Atletico Feminas drew versus Sporting Huelva 1-1. One one. 
I saw Saul Niguest tweet to Oliver, uh, wishing him good luck for his English exam. So I guess that's what's been um, keeping him up late. Uh, but hopefully the two of them return for uh, Atletico B's next game. Let's hope so. Uh, yeah, and the Atletico handball division brings good news and bad news. Um, they won the Club World Cup, named the Super Globe, um, at Turkey versus Kiel Berlin. Um, but they lost the first local final of the season, uh, the Spanish Super Cup against Barcelona, um, by just three points, 31 to 34. Um, and the Atletico f- players, they complained about the referees. Um, it seems a different sport, but the same problems, I guess. Um, and the next uh, game for the handball uh, division of Atletico just ended against Nature House La Rioja um, with an eight-point uh, victory. So um, there's the first two league points for Atletico. Okay, and before we finish, let me thank our guest. We 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 talked to Gary before, but he had to leave, so we won't get the chance to say bye-bye to Gary this week. But let me say goodbye to... Susan, thank you very much for for coming on the show again, and and thank you for talking to us about the Monaco experience. I have to thank you for having me again. Okay. We'll see, we'll see us in three weeks when I'll be in Madrid. Okay. Um, let's let's see if um, I think that uh, Gert's uh, line was was uh, falling. Uh, Gert, can you hear me now? We, we have a problem, Susan. It seems. Yeah, we lost we lost Gert, I think. Well, it was great having Gert, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll be able to have Gert on the show again, as well as Kevin, the the president of the Belgian Peña, which we really look forward to. I have to say Hurt instead of Gert. That's why he doesn't answer. It's been um, Gert to me for three years that I've been reading his name. I've been saying Gert, Gert, Gert. Mentally saying Gert. <laughs> It hurt to hear Gert. Martin, thank you once again uh, for coming on the show, and we hope to turn you into a regular. Always it's great a to have you. Guys. And this is your chance to say, Perea, 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 perea. Luis Amaranto, the legend. Yep. Thank you very much, Martin. T- talk to you soon. All right, always a pleasure. And Derek, thank you very much. Uh, great talking to you again, and look forward to talking to you soon. It was a pleasure and huge thanks to our guests tonight and uh, thanks to you as well, Ricky, of course. So this wraps up another episode of Red and White Passion. Remember to send your views by Twitter at This Is Atleti, Facebook at Facebook.com slash This Is Atleti, or by email on info at ThisIsAtleti.com. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoyed the show and that you will continue to listen to us. You can subscribe to the podcast or download it via iVox or iTunes. Thank you for Atleti. If you would like to advertise on This Is Atleti, contact us via email on info at thisisatleti.com.